we're pleased to bring you our feature presentation. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to the Parish Pump podcast. Daisy is back again, Councillor Dermot Daisy O'Brien, and I've got a guest. And who could it be? <laughs> Councillor Grace McManus. So Hello. Welcome to the Parish Pump podcast. Thanks for having me. How excited, <laughs> stroke nervous, stroke life goal achieved. Well, pretty soon. What's this, episode three? Four. Four. Ah. Uh... It's the first time in my life someone's asked me to be louder when we were practicing the sound level, so that's a life goal achieved. There you are. So, uh, welcome to the podcast. We're going to, in the spirit of the purpose of the podcast, we're going to try and inform you, give you some insights, um, and specifically today we're going to look at how the County Council works. We're going to hear a little bit about um, Grace, who's a newly elected County Councillor and has been now seven months in the job. Um, and as a young person to maybe give some insights from that perspective because I know it's something that Grace is passionate about which is the future of politics and how we encourage support um, and get young people, more young people in there. Um, we're also going to specifically today look at the two motions that we have coming up in the County Council meeting on Monday and they are very important to us but again as a way of maybe showing you how it works we're going to Give you uh, the background to the motions that we have coming up on Monday. So let's kick off by asking you, um, yeah, seven months in, highlights, lowlights, overwhelmed, inspired, challenged, whelmed, <laughs> all the words. Uh, yeah. Been, what's your big? What, what are your takeaways at this point? Um, it is different than I thought it would be, but it's the steepest learning curve I've ever had. Um, it is the words, the three words I would use to describe it so far are challenging, rewarding and frustrating. Okay. Elaborate. So we ran obviously on a platform of if you change nothing, nothing changes. And I think young people to our merit, we are sometimes a bit idealistic and maybe a little bit naive and change is slower than I thought it would be and it's harder but it's also deeper than I thought so what I mean by that is it's more challenging but more rewarding when you do see something start to change um, and you see how many people are actually already out there trying to create change Um, it is rewarding because uh, it's say for example one of the highlights was going back to my old school um in Loretto and getting to talk to their politics class and seeing young girls like me 10 years ago and telling them what it's like and they got to ask me questions and I stayed for over an hour and tried to be as honest as I could um and that is so rewarding that that gave me energy for an entire week um it's frustrating because things are so ingrained the way that they are Things have always been this system and we obviously know that the system is failing a lot of people and it's not suitable for a lot of people. Um, it's hard to be young in there. It doesn't suit the lifestyle of curiosity about yourself and living your life and going out with your friends. You have to always be mindful of your job and the weight of the responsibility, which is okay, but I think it could be more dynamic um, and more inviting to more types of people. 
And in terms of the the workload, is it something that you can block out parts of your week? Does it come in waves? Are there lulls? Is it yeah, no, you full can't. on all the time? <laughs> it is. We, yeah. we know it's not a full-time job. We know it's barely remunerated as a part-time job. But there are expectations and responsibilities within uh, that that take a demand on your time. Yeah, so, and if you talk about if politics is open to young people, so I have two jobs um, to try and have enough money to save a little bit for, to be able to rent somewhere or, I mean, own your own house is kind of a pipe dream for most people under 30. But th- it, because of the context of the housing crisis and the health crisis, we are real young people living in that as well. So there's that fear that you should have enough money in the bank should an emergency happen. So it's kind of weird to be at the co- at the face of failures um and systemic failures and seeing people being afraid of that and knowing how bad it could be if you don't have money in the bank and then also having a job trying to fix that but a job that doesn't pay you enough to have the money in the bank if you are victim to the failures so yeah and there's been countless times where social plans have had to be cancelled because i yeah you don't you don't know when you're going to be needed there's often calls late at night through your private social media and there are people who are vulnerable and suffering and it's it doesn't sit with my values to ignore them. So you have to learn to park your expectations of what you thought your weekend might be or your evening. And But the positive of that is that you learn so quickly who really is your comrade and friend and partner in that because they'll help you to deal with your own frustrations that plans have changed and that you can't do what you want to do as a young person but they'll also encourage you and say you're doing the right thing and you're making a a difference or whatever it is cool thank you for that um so we have the first meeting of 2020 next monday afternoon um again for people who don't know and it might sound boring and um irrelevant but there there is something about us um giving people a sense of what happens at a council meeting so in the in the easiest way that i can possibly explain it we on the first monday of every month i know it's um probably the second monday because new year's what have you um the the full council meets in wicklow town in the county buildings and that's 32 councillors from across the five municipal districts um we usually rock up at two and we till at least five um and within that so we are presented with an agenda and it's usually again the county-wide perspective um sits there on the agenda so in the for the meeting let's say next monday we have um what is there 12 items on the agenda which is a mixture of people might come in to present so uh bus aaron or Aaron road aaron no it's bus aaron are coming in on monday to give a presentation um, we have the chief executive's report. We have a presentation from the age action um, department within community, cultural, social development. Um, what else do we have? We have pres- uh, our audit from 2018. So we have to make sure that the independent report on the audit of 2018 is all good with us. Note that uh, we have motions coming up. Um, an interesting one actually on the agenda is the customer care innovation hub um which has been in the pipeline for over a year now um and it's a way that the council is aiming to transform how it engages with the public so people the county council um building is a walk-in 
service provider so there's moves and ideas about how that can be transformed into a more accessible more innovative uh, hub for both elected members in terms of their them using that as a workspace but more importantly for the general public um who come in um we've got the county arts strategy is also on the agenda um and yeah as you said the motions uh, are coming up and motions what what are motions and why do people present motions to the council so motions are um short statements that will outline a position or a stance or an ask on a particular issue so for example uh, that this council believes that all young people should have basic human rights now, that's a very generic one but what would happen would be that that would be then put to the council and councillors would vote on it and if it passes then that's what the council believes and if it fails then that is what the council overall doesn't believe um but their power is in terms of you can you can get a commitment that the council will do something maybe it'll write to a department maybe it will uh, disseminate information to constituents whatever it is but it'll also be a way to hold to account the ethos of the council. So if the council commits to zero homeless people in the county, then that's what we're holding ourselves um, to that standard and to account for. So a motion is presented at the council. It's, it's sent in advance to all the councillors um, and also to the council executive. Um, so responses may come from within the council structures in terms of a department that it's relevant to. And then on the day, um, if, the, if the time allows, a motion uh, comes up for debate, the person or people who proposed it get to speak on it. Then others in the chamber get to respond, reply, propose amendments if they so wish. Um, and ultimately, then there's a decision about whether it should be voted on or uh, if it's generally agreed, then then we move on. So give us a sense. So there's there's two fairly important motions coming up from us on Monday. Um, give us a sense of... So in uh, the, the questions that I would like to ask in terms of motions, so it's clear for anyone who's listening is, what is the motion? How will it make a difference? And why are we proposing these two particular motions at this meeting? Want to start with the go you choose which one you want to start with <coughs> so the first motion that we have is that this council will have child homelessness on the on the meeting agenda until the figure for the county reaches zero um the intention behind it i guess is to create a space for councillors to dig into the child homelessness figures for the county there's actually different aspects of child homelessness there is those children at risk of homelessness and the council works with them to try and prevent them becoming homeless with their families and then there are children who are with their families already in a homeless situation either in emergency accommodation or bnbs and there's then the question of what is the council, how do we support them out of homelessness into um, a sustainable accommodation? So I reckon the, the purpose is we're not getting a chance at the moment in council meetings to drill down on the issue. Um, the homeless figures are presented in the chief exec's report and after the chief exec's report, each councillor gets one, maybe two questions to ask, but because of limited time, 
uh, we're not really getting to explore what is causing the rising felt homelessness figures and getting to track in detail those children in the county and what's happening to them. So the, the purpose is to have a space every meeting where that we would get maybe a mini report on child homelessness and we would decide if there's any actions required of us as councillors to to address it. And the reason why I, I think we, we put in until it reaches zero is that we're so almost desensitised to the figures that we think that some child homelessness is unavoidable. But for our, we don't believe that's true. We believe that every child should have a home in Ireland, never mind Wicklow. So, so, so it's an emotive issue. Um, is it something that has been a feature of your, within your role so far as a councillor? Um, so why is this? Why did? Why do you want to present this motion amongst all the issues that are that are sitting in the county? Uh, why this one? Well, for a couple of reasons. Number one. The core is I don't I can't there's a lot of vulnerable people and a lot of vulnerable people within the issues that we talk about. But I can't imagine any more vulnerable than a, a child who doesn't have secure accommodation. And we know from academic research, we know from media reports, the impact that child homelessness has on children's development. So it's really, really important in terms of protecting those who deserve protecting and those who are in vulnerable scenarios. Um, the second is that um, I've asked about child homelessness figures nearly every meeting since I got elected. It's been my focus because I can't read the chief exec's report, see those rising numbers and and move my attention away from it. It just captures my attention and I'm trying to progress doing something about it with my fellow councillors, but it's, it doesn't seem to be happening. Um, we don't have enough space for it, I guess. But the main, the, the biggest reason of all is when those same children are in front of you in our constituency offices or they're on the phone, their parents are on the phone to you and you've met them. Then for me, that doesn't, that, that can't leave my brain until we've done something about it. So. And so I suppose, you know, in the, in the world of politics, I'm sure people on the outside world often see the press releases, they see the statements, they see uh, politicians being outraged or indignant um but this is a little bit more than that or a whole lot more than that because passing judgment on the figures which which we can't hide from uh, they're presented to us every month and in in many ways if it's one or 71 it kind of doesn't matter because um i suppose for me we're we're, we're challenging ourselves because i was thinking about it yesterday and i was thinking is this the thing that we judge our record on as a council or is that too fluffy if at the end of five years uh which is our time on the council if it's zero is that something that we can give ourselves recognition for or should we already as you said or alluded to should we already say well you know some of it's unavoidable or it's beyond our control or this is the government's fault this isn't the county council's fault yeah, and I don't, like, I'm not here to give responsibility to others because I want to take every opportunity that I have. This is, when people say it's a privilege to represent, I never understood that because I'm like, this is so stressful. Is it a privilege? But now it is because I have, and we have, unique opportunities available to us to take an active role. 
And so when people say, well, you have, what can the county council do? I don't, maybe, maybe not much, but maybe something. And maybe we can be creative and invent a new way for us to do something. Saying it's someone else's fault doesn't change those figures. So I'm not really interested in thinking about that. I'd much rather think about what we can do. Yeah, and I, and I think the challenge within there is, yeah, what are we willing to commit to? And if we're not even capable of committing to a, a proper conversation about it, um, then we are hiding from the figures um, or we're leaving it to someone else. And that someone else could be the officials within the, the county council who have a specific role uh, for housing and homelessness. But ultimately, we are the seat of local democracy in the county. Um, and I, I'm, I'm comfortable with the notion that we should be judged on these figures. Um, uh, but I think in the immediate sense, we should be judged on what we're doing about them and not what we're saying about them, but certainly what we're doing about them. Um, tell us about the other motion. So the other motion is that uh, the council would recognise the value that low-income workers provide to the Irish economy and call on the government to introduce a living wage. So the minimum wage at the moment in Ireland is 9.80 and it'll be going up to 10 euro 10 cent in February. But the living wage, which is decided by the living wage technical group who have all the data and research to, to figure it out, is 12.30 an hour. So that is enough that you could have, that you could live. Um, and it's calling on the council, Wicklow County Council, to make it known to national government that we endorse a living wage. Um, and I think it, when you think about it, a living wage, it, it's almost like that it, any wage should be a living wage. The notion that you would be on the minimum, which is not enough to live on, is that doesn't make sense. Um, and the a lot of the people who are on uh, minimum wage are under 24 years of age. So again, it's me being connected to those people and I was on the minimum wage for many years, um, not so long ago and some of my friends still are. It's trying to say, okay, well, there is somebody who's like you now in the council. And so to bring that issue up there and try to give a bit of real life experience of it. Okay. So, so it's an interesting motion in terms of, so Wicklow County Council cannot set the wages of any of the people who live or work in Wicklow, but there's something symbolic about a county council committing itself to a statement about what it believes should be the wage of at least the minimum, or the, that the living wage should be the minimum wage for, well, as, as, a, as a minimum, it should be delivering, it, it should be the wage for the people of County Wicklow, that the council and the councillors are making a statement to, to central government. Yeah, and I, there's something, one of the most interesting uh, phrases we hear is that you're playing politics. But we're, let, let's not forget that as well as having a role in terms of uh, representing the people of Wicklow and in making decisions on behalf of the people of Wicklow, we are in a political arena. So if you had all of the county councils in Ireland saying the same thing to central government, and don't forget there's party, there's government parties represented on Wicklow County Council, opposi opposition parties. So if you had all the counties saying the same thing to the central government, surely that would have an influence. So there is also a role for us in speaking on national politics, because national politics affects local politics. And I think local politics should try to affect national politics. And so that's what this kind of motion does. 
Very good. Thank you for the insight. <laughs> uh, I can't thank myself for the blah, blah, blah. Um, okay, so that's we've given people an insight in, in terms of how the council works and in particular these two motions. And we hopefully, if there's an appetite in terms of the podcast, we'll do monthly updates at least um, when it comes to our work within the council chamber. Um, but when we look at, we are both from... A dynamic sector in terms of youth and community and education um we're both trainers we have both been in worlds with uh, particularly with young people where you have to bring an innovation in order to support engagement and participation um and and i know for myself and i know for you i'm going to speak for you and say that the the environment the working environment of the county council is a unique experience for both of us uh, so i'm going to put you on the spot and ask if you could change two things about how the council meeting works, what would they be? I wish I could ask you first. <laughs> Copy your answers. Um, <clears throat> can they be funny? <laughs> the, first, the first thing I would change is, it would be interesting to have a scenario where motions are anonymous so that when councillors get them on the agenda so at the moment when the motions are circulated with by email they're signed by whoever is sponsoring them so the motions that me and Dermot have at the moment have our names down the bottom and I think it would be fascinating to debate motions not knowing who presented them because Party politics is really important and the political science head on me would has a field day analysing how parties engage or not with each other. And they do tell they play an important role in telling us where people stand on issues. But they can also be a barrier to progressive work happening when you feel that you can't work with someone from a different party on a particular issue. And I just wonder if motions were anonymous, would we only then focus on the content of the motion? rather than having a lot of time wasted on political jiving and swiping. That's not really relevant to the issue. Well, we do one, one and one, so yeah. that's fair. And you're not, you're yeah. Not so what, what one thing would you change, Dermot? Um, Never called you Dermot in my life. <laughs> uh, so I, it's something I think about a lot. So, and again, if I was going to throw a little curve, like a little cheeky one, I would say, there are times possibly probably in every meeting where I, I need coffee and, <laughs> and I can't have coffee. Uh, and even when you think about it, we could be, it could be three and a half hours of a meeting. So as someone who works in education, um, as a non-formal educator and in the formal education sector, I know about attention spans. And I wonder, is it healthy that the seat of local democracy requires three and a half hours of attention? And within that, there may be four presentations um, and your job is to take it in and then maybe formulate questions for clarity or an analysis of what has just been presented. Um, and I often see, maybe often is, is, isn't fair, but if, if someone is presenting at the end, if they're the last slot, yeah. I feel for them so much. And I genuinely don't think they are getting the most alert, attentive and tuned in 
counselors. Imagine mindfulness for five minutes and then a coffee. That's right. not my second one though. Between each agenda item. Yeah. <laughs> right, what's your second one? My second one is, you know in Graham Norton, right? When they do the red chair stories and if the story isn't interesting enough, then they pull the lever. Now, not I wouldn't be that harsh. <laughs> Health and safety. Imagine if every time someone said a political cliche like let me be clear or have you any political cliches like this i'd like to commend <laughs> dot 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 that a lever would be pulled and then they would flip off their chair <laughs> and i think that would be good for the attention span but also it, i you know obviously that's tongue-in-cheek and sometimes i have to, to be fair when you speak, to be fair <laughs> i'm gone but when you're speaking on, I find anyway, for myself, I can only speak, You, you the way that it works in the council is you press a button and it lights up and the Cahir lock knows you want to speak and you wait in line and then she calls your name out and then you speak. And it's very nerve wracking. And um, you want to be saying the right things. You don't want to be going on and on like I am now in this podcast. But And, and sometimes you need a second to get your thoughts together. So I imagine that's where people use... Uh, cliches and I'm sure I have so I, I'm, I'm not being too harsh in my judgment on that but I do think it would be hilarious to be flipped off your chair for using them <laughs> I think that could imp- have an impact on the budget every year <laughs> <laughs> court cases um, so my second one uh, it, it, in a way related um, one of the things I also find frustrating about the working environment um, in terms of council meetings is and it struck me very strongly um, in my early experiences that there is no dialogue in a council meeting. Yeah. There are statements. So when you speak, and when it's your turn to speak, as you explained, uh, you speak to the chairperson um, through the chair, I suppose is the way it's um, defined. And it's a statement or a question, but it's not um, an opening in terms of a dialogue where so someone might say something in the council chamber you let's here's a let, give me a, i'll give you an example maybe i have spoken already on an item you get to speak once unless you're indulged and that's rare uh, and again probably not something that uh, anyone wants anyway because it just adds more time so let's say i've spoken on an issue and then another councillor four councillors down from me speaks on any, on the same issue and something they say has sparked something within me maybe i can add to it maybe i have an insight that will help them get their head around what they're asking but i have no opportunity to engage in a dialogue um with that person and i know and understand that the how the meeting is managed is important because we have to get through it but i wonder is there a more dynamic way um of supporting engagement while we are there in that building and all 32 of us are together um, if we were to look at the again those three and a half hours and how they're managed I mean there's nothing more again brain draining than let's say on Monday when someone comes in from bus air and, and gives a presentation and 30 out of the 32 councillors have something to say and 20 out of that 30 have a question for that and each one of them will expect an answer and then I'm dead because yeah. maybe 15 of those questions aren't relevant to my area or my you know and yet i'm loath to leave the room you know i could say now is when i'm going to go and get coffee because this is because i think that's 
dishonouring uh, you know my role um, and my responsibility as a councillor. I've noticed that that you don't leave the room at all. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> you, have, you mustn't leave it either. I, do, I try not to unless I have to run to the bathroom but like not yeah. to get coffee and although he did sneak chocolate in once I saw you having a sneaky Mars bar which is allowed you need the those the my Halloween it. leftovers. Yeah. He shared in fairness to him. So I'm extremely grateful that Grace gave her time today for the Parish Pump podcast. I'm not sure she actually realises how important she is to local politics and in particular for young people to see someone like Grace in the political arena and to have a chance to be part of her story and to feed off the energy and really get the insights that, that are coming from the experience that she's having because that's where um, I would hang my hope on the future of, of local government, that if young people are inspired to get involved, are willing to commit and see that others are in there trying and authentically trying to make change uh, for the benefit of all, I think, yeah, we'll see, we'll see positive change happening in, in the future. So an inspirational person, uh, hopefully she'll enjoy it enough to come back. And in the meantime, thanks so much for listening in. Talk to you all soon.